This time I'm just going to ask uh, Rob to come forward and let him introduce himself. He'll tell you all that you need to know about him. Uh, Rob's a guest speaker with us this morning, telling us about the work he does. And uh, we are so grateful to have him and his wife Lynn with us today. Rob? Good morning. Great to be here. We are Rob and Lynn, and we are so uh, thankful to be here. Uh, we want to let you know we've been with for 26 years, and uh, your faithfulness has kept us on the field to do the work that we have been doing for so long. In 1992, a movie came out. It was about a, a banker named Augusto and his wife, Michaela uh, Odone. They lived near Washington, D.C., and they had a little son, and uh, life was going pretty good, and then one day their little boy got sick, and uh, took him to the doctor, and the doctor said, I don't, I'm not sure what's wrong. You might want to take him to a different doctor. Weeks started going by, and uh, their little boy, Lorenzo, he was getting more and more sick to the point that this was becoming very urgent. They went to specialists after specialists, and they couldn't find out what was going on. And finally, someone, uh, he, Lorenzo was diagnosed with adrenoleukodystrophy, that's ALD, and it was, uh, at, that, at that time, it was uh, fatal within two years. And they said, uh, there's nothing we can do for you. Doctors, hospitals, friends all said, you just enjoy the time with him, but uh, your son's going to die. Well, uh, uh, Augusto and Michaela were not satisfied with that answer. So they lived near D.C. They began pouring into medical uh, research journals uh, at the time. This was before the Internet. Finding any possible, any person who would help them to, uh, to find an answer, find a, a cure for this, this, this horrible disease that was taking their son's life. He was getting worse and worse. Uh, had to have constant care. And finally, they discovered that if uh, Lorenzo was given a certain oil, it's called urusic acid. If this oil was given in his life, in, in his diet, it, it, it almost stopped the, the, the devastation that was happening, uh, and it, it vastly changed his life. The, the two years that he was given to live turned into two decades, and his life was extended, and he did pass away. The name of the movie is called Lorenzo's Oil. Uh, it's kind of heart-wrenching, so... Don't, don't watch it on Friday night with the kids, maybe. But uh, it's, uh, it's a tearjerker. But what, how cool is that to see a family? There aren't many people, families like the Odone family, that would feel like they could do the impossible to, to, uh, to uh, attempt something. Um, imagine what it would be like. I mean, my, my brother-in-law is facing terminal cancer. How amazing would that be to be able to discover a, a way to stop it in its tracks and say, you got 20 more years, you got 15 more years. How amazing would that be? But... You know, someone could say, well, you're, you're not a, a researcher. You can't do that. But neither were uh, Augusto and Michaela. They weren't, they weren't researchers. And uh, you say, well, you're not a scientist. Well, neither were they. They were just a dad and a mom who, who loved their son and wanted to see something, uh, see him, the, the devastation stopped. But there just aren't many people like that who believe that they can do the impossible. <clears throat> I think sometimes in our lives, in our spiritual lives, uh, we can do the same thing. We can see death around us. We can see dying. And we might believe the lie that we can't do anything about it. And we sit back and we watch. And we watch people we know who live and die. And we don't feel like we can do the impossible. Storms in life have paralyzed us. Or we feel like, I don't have the faith like that. I can't do it. I don't have a perfect faith. Like those Bible heroes in the past. They were perfect people. They could do everything perfect. And it's like. Really? 
that what the Bible says about our Bible heroes? Were they perfect people? Did they have a perfect faith? <clears throat> I don't think so. So today we're going to look uh, in, uh, in the book of uh, Matthew, chapter 14. We're going to look at uh, some of these Bible heroes and their, their faith and see what, what God wants to do with our faith. Can God take our, our imperfect faith and do the impossible? So we're going to look at Matthew 14, beginning in verse 22. And so we're, we see that Matthew writes about how Jesus took an imperfect faith of the disciples and wanted to perfect it. And then the same thing in our lives. He wants to take our imperfect faith and perfect it. And so the question for us today is, how does, how does Jesus perfect our imperfect faith? And I think the text is going to give us four opportunities we can see uh, in that, in that uh, text here. So background is uh, John the Baptist has been put to death, and Jesus has just fed the 5,000 uh, as we start in Matthew 14, verses tw- verse 22 to 33. It said, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he mis- dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, and the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, fourth watch would mean super early in the morning. I mean, the whole night is gone, all right? He came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately he spoke to them. He said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So we're looking here for four opportunities how the Lord wants to perfect our imperfect faith. I think the first opportunity we see is Jesus perfects our imperfect faith by allowing us to go into the storm. Look at what the text says. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of him to the other side when he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed him, he went up on the mountainside to pray by himself. Later that night when he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against him. So does Jesus know he sent them in the boat? Does he know what's about to happen? Yeah, of course he knows. He's the Lord. He knows what the future is. And in fact, not only does he know what about he's praying, he feels the wind as he's on the mountain. He can look down and see the waves. He can see the disciples struggling. And yet, he sends them into this. He, uh, he sends them into the storm, not just for a time, but for hours and hours. And somebody might say, well, I'm not sure that's a, a loving God who would do that to allow his, his children, his disciples to go through such a terrible time. Uh, one of our uh, translators... His name is Muhammad. Surprising, right? Uh, Muhammad uh, had worked for us, and he would, had been reading the Bible after he came to faith. And he came to us one day, and he said, uh, I've been convicted by something in the Bible. It's, uh, it's, it's changing me. It makes me want to change the way I live. And he, in fact, he, he confessed to us. He said, uh, you know, sometimes I miss work. He said, I, I, I've actually been doing, like, uh, uh, illegal human trafficking and drug running and slave trading and stuff. And I was like, what? Holy cow, 
And he tells me he's doing these things. He said, but I, I'm convicted. I need to stop doing it. He said, I make a lot of money, but the Bible is showing me that I shouldn't do that. And I said, yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> so uh, he, he said, he, he, now his wife wasn't real happy. He, he had another job where he drove a taxi. And so the, the, lim, the, the money was limited just his taxi job. And uh, the friends who he was doing this running with came back and said, we need, come, come help us. You can make a lot of money. And he said, no matter how much he lost, he was, he was going to stand firm and trust in the Lord. Well, right after that, uh, his wife got diagnosed with cancer. And he was going to have expensive treatments in a faraway city. And I thought, no, man, he's going to go back. I mean, he needs the money. And he came to me, he said, uh, <clears throat> uh, my name in Arabic is Robert. He said, Robert, I'm not going back. I'm going to trust God. And he's going he's gonna to bring me through this. And he didn't go back. And uh, at his job as a taxi driver, he got, uh, he got a hired a promotion to a, like a foreman. He didn't have to drive the taxi anymore. He was the guy who was sending off the taxis. In fact, he was profiting from every single person who drove the taxi. And so he actually got a raise, uh, and it was able to pay for the, the money that he needed. And he said, as a foreman, though, the people were standing around. I goes, I got to share Christ with people that I never did. I was only in my taxi. Now I'm getting to share with all the, the foremen who are taxi driver, the other taxi drivers who then can share with all the people. Uh, and then he said he opened a small store, and God began to bless in that way. And so he went through this storm. And I said, do you ever get to see those guys who do the running? He goes, yeah, I do. But I, I, I lead them to what God has done in my life and tell them the story. So. God loves each one of us. In fact, Scripture says in Jeremiah 31, 3, long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. And he allows us to go through the storms because he loves us, because he wants us to trust in him. And that's the only thing we have left at times. It's not unloving to make us stronger. In fact, there's a, a teaching I believe is a false teaching that we say that God, God will never allow us to go through anything we can't handle. Is that what the scriptures teach, though? Listen to what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter two, or chapter 1, verses 8 and 10. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. Listen to this. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. So we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received a sentence of death. Why would God do that to Paul? He was serving him. He was doing everything right. Listen to what the next verse says. He said, but this happened that we might rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a great deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope, and we will continue to deliver us. Some of you are facing difficult challenges right now, and you're saying, God, why are you allowing me to go through this? And it's a hard answer, but the reality is he, he's doing it because he loves you. Because he doesn't want you to rely on anything except him during this time. Proverbs 24.10 says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So during that time, when we're tempted to, to cry out, God, release me from this. The prayer we can offer is, God, perfect me in this time. Make me like you. I don't understand why I'm going through this. And it hurts, but make my faith Strong, make it perfect. So second opportunity we see in this text is Jesus perfects our imperfect faith by showing us who he is. Listen to what it says, starting in verse 25. Shortly before dawn, in the fourth watch, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said, take courage, 
or take heart uh, in some texts. It is I, don't be afraid. So see how much time has elapsed. Uh, remember, the, 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 he put them on the boat, and they, they go out. It's in the evening. At that point, it's, the, it's I mean, six, eight, 10, 12 hours. They've been rowing. I don't know if you've ever gotten on a row or in road. I mean, this is, this is tough. I've been on a boat, a small boat in four-foot waves. Man, it'll scare you half to death. And these, these are fishermen who have lived their whole lives fishing. They're used to storms, but they are terrified. They're, they're scared of this storm. And then it gets even worse. They look out and they see a guy walking on the water. And they are scared and they say, it's a ghost. They're scared to death. You know, it's one thing to look at other people's fear and kind of look at me like, what are you so afraid of? Uh, but it's different when it's our own fear, right? You know, like the old adage, minor surgery is somebody they, they do on somebody else. <laughs> I don't want minor surgery on me, right? So, but less than 12 hours has passed by. They've, the day before, they've seen 5,000 people fed from a few fish and a few loaves of bread. So it's not like they've never seen a miracle before. But how quickly do we forget? Do we forget the things that God has done? And they, I think at this point, they don't really know who Jesus is. They're learning, but they're not sure who he is. And he gives us three phrases in this text here, I think can, can help us uh, during times when we are struggling. He says first, take heart or take courage. The, the meaning of this is to have courage, have confidence. Uh, and the disciples had heard this before when he was about to heal someone, so it wasn't the first time. Take heart, take courage. And then he says, it is I. In the original text, he says, ego I me. It says, I am. That ring about anybody? When, when the Lord would say, I am. And he, he, well, I think what he's really getting to the point is, look, I am the Lord. I'm not, I'm not the Messiah you think I'm going to be. And that, that Israel believes we're going to come and get rid of Rome and we're going to rule the world. I'm not that Messiah. I'm the Messiah that I plan, and I'm going to establish an eternal kingdom that lasts forever. And then he says, don't be afraid. Uh, in Thayer's lexicon, it describes this kind of fear. It would be a fear that would cause them to freeze or to flee. <clears throat> when uh, we, we first moved to North Africa, our kids were real little, and uh, our kids got a bunch of uh, like costumes and uh, 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 Superman outfits and all this stuff, and I was being kind of funny, so I, I thought I'd go in there and put a mask on and surprise the kids. So I put a Batman mask on, and I walked around the corner, and uh, my two older boys start laughing, but my two-year-old son, Aaron, he starts screaming at the top of his lungs. Ah, 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 he's terrified. So I said, okay, Aaron, so I take off the mask. He's looking at me, I said, it's okay, it's dad, uh, uh, you're all right. I said, look, I'll put the mask on. I put the mask on. He starts screaming again. Ah, ah, terrified. I take the mask off. Lynn comes running in. What are you doing in here? And the boy's just crying. Ooh, terrified. I'm holding him. It's okay. It's okay. I think in our lives, sometimes we can see God this way. We can see God as you could do something about this, and you're not fixing the problem. You're the bad guy. But the reality is, he is that loving father, and he cares for us desperately. And at times, we want to run and hide from him and back away and say, get away. Instead, he wants us to come to him and admit, I'm afraid. I don't know what to do with this. I don't know about the future. Think about Adam and Eve in the garden. They had sinned. They didn't run to God and fall down and say, well, we're sorry. They tried to hide. What does the scripture say? It says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the, the garden of the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And the Lord God called to the man and he said, where are you? Did God know where they were? He knew where they were. But he was saying spiritually, where are you? Where are you in your heart? 
And I believe he's asking us that today. We, are, you, you used to, we used to have communion and now and fellowship together and you've gone, you've covered yourself, you've hidden. And he's asking that. But it's not from, from hiding or running away that we, we, we will find relief from the things we're struggling with. It's admitting our fear and running to the Lord saying, I'm afraid. I, I don't know what our country's coming to. I don't know what our, uh, the, my city, my school, whatever the things we're looking at. And please show me more of you. I want to know who you are. And he says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And this can only be done when we have faith. Listen, even with our imperfect faith, we still go to him and say, I've tried everything else. Uh, Help me to trust in you. Help me to know who you are. I think the third opportunity we see in this text, Jesus perfects our imperfect faith by calling us out of the boat. Look at what Peter says. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And he says, come. And Peter got down on the boat, out off the boat, listen, and he walked on water and came towards Jesus. Now, to me, this is like the strangest statement of all. If I'm in a boat, I've been in a boat, I told you about waves, there's no way I'm getting out of that boat. I would say, Jesus, come in a boat and stop the waves. Like, I don't want to keep, I don't want this to go anymore. This storm is really scary. But Peter says the opposite. I mean, this is Peter, right? (laughs) We know a little bit about Simon Peter, you know? And uh, so Peter says, I think what Peter's saying is, hey, Jesus, can I do that too? I want to try it. And uh, again, Peter, this is Peter who... uh, he, uh, when he gets an opportunity to wash his feet, he says, give me a bath. Uh, when everyone else, uh, when he says, if everybody else denies you, I will not deny you. And then when he's faced with a little girl calling him out, he says, I don't know, Jesus. But that same Peter, history tells us that he was willing to be crucified upside down because he, did not want, he didn't feel worthy to die in the way that Jesus had died. So we can ask the question, why did Peter get out of the boat? But another question might be, why did the other 11 stay in the boat? When, uh, where we live in North Africa, uh, it's 99.9% Muslim people. Uh, in 2010, we faced a, a really difficult time in our lives where the government began to uh, deport people like us. And uh, it was pretty systematic. People we knew, good friends, were being deported daily. You had 24 hours to leave. Sometimes they brought the husband in to jail. Sometimes they brought the wife in. And I wish I could say, man, my faith was like this. I was strong, but I was afraid. The, door, the doorbell would ring and my daughter would start crying, Daddy, they're going to take you away. Uh, the, the phone would ring and you'd pick up the phone. You were afraid. You didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, and uh, so we went to get our visa. That it had been denied. We were told, you got 15 days to leave the country. So we packed up our stuff, took a ferry across uh, into Europe, and had a few days of R&R. We asked leadership, what, what should we do? They said, why don't you try to go back in and see if they'll give you even a temporary visa? So I told Lynn, I said, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to walk on the ferry, and I'm going to take my passport, and I'm going to show it to them. I'm going to try and get in. If I get in, I'll call you. If I don't, and I I get rejected, it means we're done. We're we're, we're leaving. We're going to go find a new place to live. So I got on a boat, and I get in the passport line. I'm standing there, standing there. The passport line doesn't move that fast, by the way. But you're standing in line, and I'll tell you honestly, this is what happened. I heard a voice inside me say, hey, Rob, you don't have to go back. You could just tell everybody that they rejected your passport, and nobody would know. You wouldn't have any more suffering. Your kids wouldn't be upset. And I was like, huh? And then I heard another voice inside me saying, seriously, Rob, 
are you going to trust in your own ways? You're not going to trust in me? And I felt like an old Bugs Bunny cartoon with the good, <laughs> the good angel and the bad, <laughs> bad devil, like wrestling back and forth. And I'm going, oh, and, and think about your daughter. She's crying. You could stop that. Oh, you gotta, nobody would ever know. Oh, and I'm just wrestling with this. And I said, you know what? I'm going to dance with the one who brung you. And so I walked up, and I said, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this. Put my passport down. Well, uh, the guy doesn't know I speak Arabic, so he, uh, he's typing it in. He looks at his partner. He says, this, the computer's not working. Uh, I can't get his passport to enter in. And he looks over. He goes, oh, he's American. Just stamp him. Boom, get the stamp. We get back. I call Lynn. I said, okay, I got stamped. Uh, and I'm telling you, everything in me didn't want to be stamped. I wanted to leave. I wanted to run from that pressure we were under. And uh, she drove on. We got back. Uh, my landlord there said, let's go back one more time to the police station and see what. And sure enough, they came and handed us a one-year visa. Uh, we began to see people slowly believe we were able to finish the Old Testament and the New Testament, and God worked. So you might be like Peter, who says, I want to go, I want to jump, I want to walk on water. Or you might be like me, who says, I don't want to. Lord, I don't want to do this. I don't want to face what's ahead of me. But God is asking us to trust him when we, to step out of the boat. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What is God asking you to do? Facing a, a, a struggle, a, a, an act of faith ahead. And the reality is, uh, I was talking to Roger and Vicki about this, when we're in positions where we're having to trust God, I know it's hard, but that's the best place we can be. We don't want to get so self-sufficient that we, have, we, can't, we don't trust God. Let's never get to that point. We as a church that we would say, I don't, I don't need that. I can do this myself. No, we are in a bad place if we're there. If you are facing a tough decision of faith ahead, God has got you in a good place. And I know it's hard. I know you want to cry out, release me. Believe me, I've been there. But God is saying, trust me. And even you might say, I don't have perfect faith. Well, maybe it's our imperfect faith mixed with action and saying, I'll trust you. I, I don't know how. I don't have a perfect faith. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. But we know one thing, that Peter walked on water. <clears throat> it says, then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water and came towards Jesus. And we are to do the same, to trust God, to get out of the boat and walk on water. <clears throat> Walking on water is impossible, but not when Jesus tells you to come. The last opportunity we see is Jesus perfects our imperfect faith by calling us to worship him. Look at verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, cried out, Lord, Jesus, or Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, you'd think, Pete, you'd think Jesus would be like, Peter, good job, man. You walked 15 steps. He said, he looks at Peter and he says, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Like, what about the guys in the boat? Like, wow, they're really, they really messed it up. But he, it, it's not that he's scolding him. He's trying to teach his disciples a lesson that it, who, this is who I am and that you have opportunity to worship me and you can worship me, you should. And I mean, he, he, you could worship Jesus because he walked on water, because Peter walked on water. He saves Peter and he, he, don't miss this, he stopped the storm. As soon as they got back in the boat, the storm instantly stopped. <clears throat> and he's, 
He was leading them using life circumstances that they would worship Jesus for who he is. During that same time in 2010, when we were uh, facing uh, being deported and not having a visa, the local government was even harder on local believers. Uh, There was a man named Abdallah. He had worked with us in our translation project. He was taken into jail. He was beaten, not taken care of well. Uh, He said said that the place where he was was very cold, and he was left left there. Uh, But he remembered a story from the Bible that when Paul and Silas were thrown in jail, uh, they sang. So Abdallah started singing, and he said he sang the first day, and he he said they were... other prisoners in there and the, the police would come and yell at him and he sang for the first day, he sang for the second day, he sang for the third day and he said on the third day these big, big policemen came in and they walked in up to him and they said we're sick and tired of hearing you sing these songs and he's like and they said get out leave and they told him to leave the jail and he testified how the Lord uh, got him out of there uh, th- through this, this amazing testimony. And I just asked myself, like, why is Abdallah willing to suffer and possibly die for what so few are willing to live for? What, is, what does he know about Jesus that I don't know? I mean, I'm ashamed of my lack of faith in front of a man like Abdallah. He's uneducated. He doesn't have any money. He's got no skills that the world would offer, but he sat there and praised God. I would have been holding up my passport saying, I'm an American, get me out of here. But he had no passport to hold up. And he praised God in the midst of a terrible, he had no idea what those men were gonna do. He had no idea that it was gonna be three days. And he praised God during that. So a question for us today is, when worshiping Jesus costs us something, will we still worship him? He wants to perfect our faith so that when we worship him, not when the storm's gone, not uh, uh, when there's no storm at all, but in the middle of the storm, when life is raging, will we still praise God? That's Christ perfecting our faith. So we've talked today about an imperfect faith and how God wants to perfect it. Listen to what he says in Colossians 1.28. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Every man, every woman, that we would be complete. He doesn't want to leave us imperfect. Uh, And this, I believe, brothers and sisters, is a call to be on mission, to reach the nations, to go to the lost. And you might say, well, I don't speak a foreign language. I I don't know what to say. Let me tell you about a lady named Aisha. Aisha came to faith in her young 30s. Not long after, she was diagnosed with... uh, MS, multiple sclerosis. And she was a beautiful young lady who be- her health began to deteriorate quickly. She, sh- she shrunken down. She's a very tiny little lady. She's bent over. And she lost the ability to speak. She's a North African lady and she could no longer talk to anyone. But that didn't stop her from sharing her faith. So she, I don't know how she does it, but she uses hand signals. And she doesn't know sign language and she uses hand signals and she starts talking to people and over the years, she'd led six or eight people to, to Christ. And I don't know how she does it. And she just disciples them too. And she has no words to say. So for you or me to give an excuse, I don't have the words to say. Survey says, this lady 
who loves Christ has shared with people, in, and this is not certainly a God thing, but the way he would do it, right? Usually someone who, speaks to, who can't speak to become a great evangelist. Who will go to the estimated 40% of the planet that have no opportunity to hear Christ? Who will go and translate one of the 1,800 languages that we don't have one verse in? Who'll go to the Berber tribes of and share with them the 99.9% Muslims? Who'll go to Central Asia to the billions of people who will never hear the name of Jesus? They will be born, they'll go to school, they'll graduate, they'll, they'll get married, they'll have children, They'll, they'll grow, they'll see the grandchildren, they'll grow old and they'll die and they will never hear the name of Christ. And we have the opportunity to, to change that, to be, to be part of that, to go. And somebody might say, well, like, we might as well go, what do we have to lose? Well, what we have to lose is everything. Everything that the, this world holds dear, we have the opportunity to lose, even our lives. But is Jesus worth that? <clears throat> is what? God has done in your life, um, is it worth it? Is it hard? Yeah. Does it take faith? Yeah. Even as imperfect as our faith is. I told you I stood on the boat. I wasn't like, dun, dun, dun. I wanted to run. I did not want to be there. And yet, I trusted God, and he did incredible things. The New Testament is complete. Um, it's not, don't, don't pat me on the back, because I already told you I didn't want to be there. But the things you're facing, are you willing to trust God in that? He says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Our nation is facing some really difficult times, and I think we can be tempted to find, look for the wrong answers. We are facing spiritual problems, and they can't be solved by anything but spiritual answers. We, we want to do things in the flesh. I get it. I understand. And we have our civic duty to do uh, the right things, but our, our faith is in, is in the power of God working through the hearts and lives of people. And that's what is going to, what can change our nation. And, you know, 100 years from now, 50 years from now, will people look back at us and say, why did the church, why didn't they do what God had called them to do? And let's take that opportunity. <clears throat> you know, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. So the four opportunities we saw is that Jesus perfects our imperfect faith by allowing them to go into the storm. The imperfect, Jesus perfects our imperfect faith by showing us who he is. He perfects our imperfect faith by calling us out of the boat. And finally, Jesus perfects our imperfect faith by calling us to worship him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word we have in our language we can understand, we can hear. I pray you would call us to get out of the boat. And even though we're afraid, we don't know what we're facing, that you would, you would uh, shake us out of complacency if we're complacent. If we're afraid, your word says you haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and self-control and help us to trust you to have that power. And so often we don't feel like we do. <clears throat> Thank you for this church, their faithfulness to give, to pray uh, for those around the world, for their own, their own city, their own town, their neighbors. Help us to be bold, to share when we don't have words, to be like Aisha and, and we have to use hands, okay, but we'll trust you that you will do a great and mighty work. Thank you, Lord, and we pray in your name. Amen. We do have prayer cards. We'd love for you to pick up. Uh, there, some of them have our emails. Uh, and if you don't, you could ask Jason or Vicki for our emails. So.
I want to take just a minute and um, follow up a little bit what Rob said there just a little bit. We are, I've always, since I was a little kid, loved these Sundays when those people uh, came to our church and told the stories about what God did in foreign places. And uh, I was always like, man, wouldn't it be great to see God work that way? If only I could go to see that. Um, we're grateful for those who serve part of the IMB. But I want to give an invitation to you today to join the CMB, the Clarion Area Mission Board. Um, and that uh, I want to read this passage. It's from Acts chapter 1. It says, uh, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we often focus on the last part, the ends of the earth. And we need to sometimes focus on the first part, Jerusalem our hometown and so we have people like you guys who go to the ends of the earth um, we all can't go there but we can start in our hometown and the same God that serves and does miracles there is willing to serve and do miracles here too and we just have to join the Clarion Area Mission Board and uh, so we're not asking you just to be willing to go around the world we're asking you to be willing to cross the street um, or go to the neighbor um, and that is our duty. This is where we are. And so part of the team, we cover from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth and everything in between. And sometimes our responsibility is no more than 50 feet away, uh, sometimes even closer than that. Uh, as is our custom, generally, when we have people visiting like this, uh, we want to take a time to pray for you guys. Father, we have been reminded today of what an awesome God you are. <clears throat> and you're a God who did not work long ago and now sits back and watches things unfold in this earth. You're a God who is actively involved day to day in the lives of your people and the lives of the people around this globe. And we thank you, Lord, that you are a God who reaches out to us as groups, and a God who reaches out to us as individuals. Thank you, Father, for the wonders, and thank you for reminding us of your power today. And thank you, Lord, that you challenge our faith today by standing before us a couple who have put their faith and trust in you and answered the call that you've given them. And so we want to pray for them, Father, that you would remember them, that you would be kind to them. We want to pray that they would see fruit for their labor. Father, we have heard of the great investment in time and learning that they've put into this and how they began to see fruit. Uh, but Father, we pray now that a great number of people would come to saving faith. But at the same time, one is so precious. So one at a time, Father, we pray that people and the portion of the world where they are located one at a time that they would come to saving faith. And as Jason has challenged us, we pray for a great revival in our midst here in Clarence, in the surrounding area, in Western Pennsylvania, and in the country of the United States. We pray that many, many people would come to saving faith. And Father, may we win this country over for the cause of Christ one person at a time. But we need your help. We need your Holy Spirit to fill us. And we need to have 
a lot of Christians who are willing to be used in however you want to use them so your power may be exercised among us. So again, we thank you that you have given us this opportunity today, Lord. We thank you for the couple. We thank you for the message that they gave us today. Watch over them. Protect them physically. Protect them spiritually. Protect them emotionally. Supply all that they need, Father. Thank you for what you've given them so far. But we want them to do well for the sake of Jesus Christ, for the promotion of his kingdom. And Lord, we ask all these things in the name of the one who went and died in a cross so that we might have eternal life. Our Lord, our Savior, Jesus, our King. Amen.